Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. Sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Never tell me the odds. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast. Hey, church planner, it's take two. Again. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones, and here we go. Uh, maybe. Uh, we, we have this bad habit of having to restart the podcast every week because we're knuckleheads. And apparently we go too far. I didn't, I didn't think it was even too far, but I realized now maybe it was. <laughs> but You know, I'm hearing it through Brooks's ears. I know he's going, oh, Peyton, like. You know, the the kid, I'm old enough to be his dad, actually. I think I would have been like... Uh, well, you realize we're old enough to be most people's dads. It's weird, man. We just had kids later in life, that's all. Absolutely. And you know what's funny is, um, speaking this, of being old... This girl I went to college with were Facebook friends, and her daughter just got married. I'm like, holy crap, dude. I got yeah. an 11-year-old and an 8-year-old, and you've got now a married daughter. Oh man, it, it's insane. Yeah, I you know I was at a, a lacrosse game for my daughter this weekend, and I had a younger guy. He's probably in his thirties. Um, you know, I turned fifty like in a week. So <clears throat> here's a weird thing, right? I'm at this lacrosse game, and I'm sitting on the edge of like you know like our home team. Um, you know how like. You sit on one side and then they're on the other side. Um, and there's like a little gap, almost like a cliff in between you. I'm on my side and I say, come on when, you know, like one thing. And I said, come on. That was it. Perhaps my voice scared them. They were all yelling the whole game. They're yelling at their kids, get more aggressive. And their kids kept injuring our players and when I said, come on, it, my, my daughter and this other girl collided. They're both on the ground. No, no big deal, right? That's It's lacrosse, a violent sport. But then this other girl comes up, and she actually uh, steps on my daughter's stick as she's grabbing and then kicks it because she's mad. 
So I go, come on, because the refs are not calling our team out. They're only calling, or sorry, they're only calling our team. They're not calling the other team out. So, and, and feelings are high. I find out later that the lady who runs that league is on the other team. Her daughter's playing on the other team. And the guy who steps up on me is her husband. So when I say, come on, at that, and not just the foul, but the, the poor sportsmanship that that girl exhibits, all of a sudden, like four or five people, no exaggeration, start yelling at me. Hey, there's a kid on the ground. Somebody's like, hey, man, you know, relax it. And, and I'm thinking, my daughter's black. No one here knows my kid's on the ground, too. And that someone just stomped on her stick, which is kind of technically like stomping on her hand, you know, uh, when she grabbing the stick and when she's already down and, you know, no, nobody, it, it's so weird, man. Like all these people start yelling at me, hey, it's just a game. And they're like being super aggressive. All they said was, come on. I've been quiet the whole game, but I do got my Deftone sweatshirt on. I got my hood up. I do kind of look like a rough character. and. Obviously, there was some judgment going around or whatever. These were all these were the perfect people. These were the beach yuppies. And if you don't know this, Pete, the beach yuppies is where you often find the perfect man. That's where he dwells. The perfect man lives in that environment. And so uh I, I, they're like, hey man, it's just a game. Calm down. I'm thinking, what what in the heck just happened? So I go, I look over and I go, I know. I know, uh, uh, you know, hey, guys, like, can you stop yelling at me? Uh, everybody, I just, uh, everybody just kind of chill. And and they're like, you're telling me to chill? <laughs> it's like, whoa, is this team is used to winning. And our girls, our team, it was like neck and neck. It went in 40 minutes of overtime before this was all said and done. But we're not even at halftime yet. And these people are pissed because they normally dominate. And like I said, the refs were making some bad calls. But anyways, uh, this guy walks over to me and he stands behind me. And I get up thinking he wants to talk. I don't realize he's trying to be a tough guy because I haven't said anything. I haven't been violent. I haven't said, hey, won't you guys shut up? You know, like I was just like, hey, everybody calm down. Let's just watch the game. You know, like that, that was my, you know, come on now. And, and this guy gets up and he goes, Hey man, when there's a kid on the ground, you don't need to run your mouth. And, and as I, as I'm standing up and turn around, he steps up on me like one inch from my face. And he's, he's a little, you know, it's not hard to do. He's taller than me. So, you know, me, right. You, you know, my background, you know where I've come from, right? And I have raging short man syndrome. So technically, we're in assault now, right? He's one inch from my face. Uh, you know, in the old me, I would have hit him hard, would have just hauled off in self defense because we're in an assault scenario. Um, but I just fold my arms, like just showing him, I'm not going to hit you. I'm not going to do anything. I just look at him and go, all right, first off, I wouldn't run it off my mouth. You're taking it to the next level by coming over here like a tough guy. 
So go ahead, do what you're going to do. Be the tough guy. I'm waiting. It's your move. And he just kind of looks at me like, huh? <laughs> he, he hadn't really thought this through. If you can come over and be a tough guy and stand in my face, A, I've had so many beatdowns in my life, you're not scaring me. B, uh, you, you probably should have thought this through because you got nowhere else to go, pal. Either you walk off and you're all. So anyways, at that point, I'm standing next to this other pastor and his wife goes, hey, hey, she gets, she knows him. Apparently, they're kind of like this. She gets in between and he quick walks off. And as I'm walking away, in 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 all honesty now, perhaps I shouldn't have said this, but I did the little hand gesture and said, that's what I thought. Chopsy and all talk. And then I went and sat back down. And uh, at first, he, when he first peeled off, he kind of had this slight little smirk. <laughs> That quickly evaporated when I said that, like, and that was, you know, that was kind of it for the most part. But, dude, I am 50 years old. You know, afterwards, like Andrew is saying, man, you know, I did go over later just to say, hey, brother, look, you don't got to bring it to physical violence. Like, you know, I let 30 minutes go by and then I was just going to see if, you know, we could shake hands or whatever, uh, trying to be the bigger man. And they flipped out. Like this guy, like that guy, I think he was still so humiliated because he was, you know, I called him on his bluff and he, you know, he wasn't going to do anything. But with uh, this other guy, all of a sudden starts going, oh, man, is that what you take from? I said, yeah. I said, he he overstepped clearly. And, you know, I said, look, he's like, his kid was on the ground. I said, yeah, that black girl was my kid um, as well. And he looked stunned. And, um you know, and then and then the lady, her his wife, uh, starts screaming. Again, I must look threatening or something because I'm being totally calm. I'm just, you know, it was just like, hey, man, you know, like I was, I was still about twenty feet away from him. I didn't like walk up on him. I just started to say like, hey, you know, hey, probably next time you can talk about aggression. Probably good not to take things of physical violence. Um, you took a little too far. You know, and I'm kind of walking towards him, but I stopped when that other guy like came flying out. And uh, again, you know, that guy stopped. But then the girl, all of a sudden, Andrea is off to my my right as this girl, this woman is screaming in my face. I'm going to have you thrown out of here. You have three seconds to turn around. And And I'm, again, just the aggression is so high with these people. And, um, and I, my wife, all of a sudden I hear Andrea, she's standing right there. She goes, um, is there a reason that you're screaming at my husband right now? And Andrea's saying it exactly that tone. She goes, cause you're really out of control right now. And the lady again, now she does a double take. It, it was the most bizarre thing, Pete. And it was like, she, she, it was like, it stopped her in her tracks. Everybody, it was one Example of another of them just being like, like I've never seen an example of people just being so unaware of themselves all at one moment. Now, you know, the title today is going to be, you know, uh, uh, don't mess with Peyton's kid. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I didn't, I didn't aggress. I did nothing. It was the weirdest thing. And then, okay, so now that lady, you know, I just walked, I just said, hey, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to finish watching the game. I go back, you know, and I'm talking like that. I'm not like, hey, 
free, man. You know, like I, I'm calm. I haven't done anything. Like literally, you know, we go back and he goes, you okay? I go, yeah, I, I didn't do anything I'm ashamed of. I didn't act in a way that, that I regret. Um, I probably would not have gone back over in hindsight to try to shake the guy's hand or, you know, like I had, I didn't have my hand extended, but you know, as I was approaching, I was kind of testing the waters. Um, and, and I knew my message would not be well received, but I at least figured, cause the reason I stood up was I thought the guy had come over originally, um, you know, to, to be like, Hey man, look, Hey, Hey, motions are high. It's a tense game. You know, like I thought he was going to try to be a peacemaker when he walked over. Had no idea. And, and again, I wasn't upset. <laughs> All these people yelling at me like I was some mega butthole. And so it, it's just weird. Like when I look back on that, it, it did seem kind of demonic, did seem like I was targeted, um, which is a really narcissistic. I, I get how that sounds, but everybody who is around us, everybody was tripping out. What in the heck just like, they're like, did they misunderstand when you said, come on? Two words, come on. Um, people have been yelling that the whole time. People are like, well, slow to the whistle, ref. On the other side, like all kinds of things. Mine was not aggressive, right? So it, it was it was a trip and a half, to be honest. And I know this is Smack Talks. So we're just talking Smack Talk. But um, it was a trippy experience, to be honest. Dude, that happens in kids' sports all the time. So Luke plays hockey. And right now, we literally last night, we had our last uh, spring uh, season game. And so the spring season, it's really weird. It's like there's no practices. Um, it's just all games. And you're going up against teams that have been playing together for years. And our team is like brand new. They don't, they're, they're not good. <laughs> like they're just flat out, they're not good. They don't know how to pass to each other. They don't know strategy. And we're going against these teams that have been playing together and like, they are passing it to each other. They got strategy and we get killed every game. I mean, it's not uncommon for us to lose 22 to two. <laughs> like mm. that's just us. Right. And no one on our team seems to be that upset. I mean, some of the dads are obviously living vicariously through their kid, but not so much that they're getting into a fight. Well, there's this one dad. Now keep in mind, Texas is very multicultural. Yeah. Very. yeah. And this guy is Russian. And he's from Russia. Right. He's got the Russian accent. I mean, and he's like, I know hockey. I, I play hockey as a kid, right? So like he's, you know, helping his kid put on all the goalie gear and all that stuff. And so in after, Russia, hockey play you. Kind of right. So after the game, he walks in and our coach wasn't there that game. So he walks in to, to you know, help his kid take off all the gear. Just like all of his parents are in there helping our kids get all their gear off. And he's just being Russian. Like, he's not, he's, like, I'm looking at this going, he's just Russian, man. That's right. all this is. It's and cultural, yeah. It's And he's like, eight to zero? Eight to zero? That is not a game. <laughs> like, he's just upset because <laughs> we got murdered, right? Yeah, yeah. And, of course, I'm thinking, dude, it was only eight to zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we did good. We, we did. We <laughs> held them to eight. Honestly, I think they stopped counting. Like, there's a certain point in this. The mercy rule, yeah. Where they just like, it, okay, this other team doesn't have a chance. Don't worry about it. Yeah, stop keeping score. And all these parents started going, it is just a game. Don't you be yelling at the kids. And the guy's like, 
I'm not yelling at the kid. I'm thinking, dude, he's just freaking Russian. Like this yeah. is how he talks. It's yeah, they're very, yeah, very blunt. Very like, eh, eh, right. Yeah. It's just the language, yeah. the way the language is. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, Luke, let's get the heck out of here. <laughs> I don't know what's going to go down oh and I don't want to be here, you know, cause I, I just, I don't want to be in that. But yeah, I mean, the other night we were at another game and there's two games going on at the same time. And literally this eruption happens and these parents are in each other's faces. And it was like, who's the biggest dad? And finally, it was like this towering, like six foot four dude who must have been like 280. And he's like looking down at the next guy. And I'm like, oh my gosh, dude. So I'm taking out my phone. <laughs> I'm literally recording this. I'm like, oh, this is going to be lit, right? But parents get out of control at these games. It's yeah. it's mind boggling to me. Well, I could just say, had he met any other member of the Jones family, things would have been very different. And, uh, but you know, no regrets on my part. Like I look back and I'm like, man, that because all the Joneses are coming to faith, mm. um, that's a, that's a thing, you know, like that's a topic of conversation right now is, is handling things differently. Um, so it, it was kind of cool. I mean, my brother was like, wow, man, like that's, that's not how I would have dealt with it. But, uh, <laughs> he's like, as a Christian, man, I, I, I really, wow, you know, that, that's, that's kind of, that's the way you should deal with it. I mean, I've, I've not hardly ever in my life had a dude step up on me like that. Right. And and not in many years. Like I said, the last time was 1999, you know, like, what do we, that was almost 25 years ago that someone did that to me. Like, that's insane. So, and that was, uh that was uh now I did do that to the guy in the pub when he yelled a racial slur. I found myself doing that to someone else, but those days are are long gone. So yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, um, in unrelated news, uh we had the craziest hailstorm I've ever seen in my life last Friday. I didn't send you the pictures, did I? No, but I work with Ryan McCarter. Oh, okay. And he, the other day we were supposed to talk. He's like, dude, I'm dealing with insurance stuff. He said that car windows were busting out. He said in all of his time living there, he's never seen one like this. Yeah, no, it, um, so golf size hail balls. Yeah. It was 90 degrees that day and it was 77 degrees when the heavens unleashed the craziest hailstorm I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. So Jamie was out driving in it. And so I call her, I'm like, dude, we just had the hail of the century. She's like, oh, really? It hasn't hit me yet. And then literally it hits her car. Her car is dented beyond belief. Like the roof's dented, the hoods are dented, the sides are dented. They were freaking out. I can't believe the windows didn't break. Uh, friends of hers who were driving home, it did break. I was talking with Jared, church planner here in Texas, and uh, and he goes, oh, that's what happened to your car? He goes, your roof is toast. Because we've had like four or five roofers come by our house, and every roof in our neighborhood has to now be replaced. Because mm. the hail just totally smashes the shingles to bits. And uh, then apparently when the sun comes in the, the summer... It cracks, and then you just got a sieve on your roof, and it's not going to stop any of the water at all. So it's, I mean, you know, it's kind of like, well, welcome to Texas. Now you got a $6,000 bill. 
Welcome. Dang, dude. Well, like, so insurance. That's our deductible. Well, I was going to say insurance is probably nuts there. Like, I I recently heard um, from an insurance agent that um, they're not even uh, in a certain company is no longer even insuring like California wildfires and floods. So they're putting oh, yeah. their agents out of the state. So there's one more reason to think that California is amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, dude, nature, like this is the funny thing, right? We're right now we're talking about AI as being kind of like the great hope of humanity. All nature has to do is fart or burp. And we're, I know, right? we're doomed. It's like, yeah, no, that's great. That's cute. You guys have your little, uh, like what we're going to talk about today is more AI because I got bit by the bug since last week. I am now actively using last week. I wasn't using any of it. I feel like this week I'm using all of it. Like I've been playing around with all of it since our last. Time. Honestly, it's like, why even Google search anything when you can just have chat GPT tell you exactly. Oh my what gosh. But, but when we get into it, uh, it, it, it chat GPT will hallucinate and lie to you. Um, so I, I, we got to talk about all this. I am, I, I can't wait to get into this, but I was thinking, you know, this week, because here I am doing all this AI and then I'm thinking about nature like this. Cause you know, you and Ryan, I, I was actually waiting to ask you about that, but I, I actually, um, I actually just think again, nature barely has to lift its little finger. And everything that we do is gone overnight. Like yep. it's all like boom, you know. Um, so I, I mean, I don't know. Did you watch that guy where he does the thing on the pyramids in Atlantis? And uh he's like, Oh, the reason why all these ziggurats, there was, you know, he's he's I don't think he's a Christian, but You're he went on Graham, Joe Rogan. Graham, Graham uh Yeah, that fingerprints of the gods was his book, and yeah. 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 And he's talking about how uh, a great global flood catastrophe wiped everything out and everything was about getting to higher ground and yada, yada. That stuff is pretty cool. And he's actually quite amazing in how he presents all that stuff. But, you know, without getting mired in it, like that would be a fun episode. We should get him on to talk sometime. Uh, now that he's been on Joe Rogan, he's, he's probably uh, wanting to come on our show. But, sure. uh, we but, could probably get Joe Rogan on our show. Uh, yeah. I mean, I feel we've moved a little beyond that, though, Pete. Like, there was a time where that would have been right. But um, but at the end of the day, man, I mean, like, again, nature. Nature. Just like we're in such a balance of it. The slightest thing happens. Nature just, you know, one degree. The earth tilts on its axis one degree, and we're all toast. We're all dead. Like, you just think about that. like. We don't we don't realize in what a precarious balance. Sorry, those of you that suffer with anxiety disorders. Now I've given you OCD fixations. I apologize. Well, what's interesting is um, we have maps from what Antarctica looks like from when it wasn't covered in ice, and we weren't able to verify those maps until like I think the late 1980s when our satellites were finally good enough to penetrate the ice. And they're like, wait a second, you mean these maps are accurate? And it's like, yeah, it didn't used to all be covered in ice. I mean, not even that long ago. We're talking about like the uh, the Middle Ages or when the, the maps are from. 
And yet, you know, we look at the world and we're like, oh, it's always been like this. It's always been covered at nice and this, that. And it's like, I don't think, I don't think a lot of this is accurate. I think we're just kind of guessing and then yeah. just saying, oh, we think this is the way it was. But if you don't believe that, then you're denying science. It's like, uh. yeah, when I was a kid and we're talking, you know, we just determined I was fit, turning 50. So uh, about 40 years ago the talk was that the ice age was coming right again. yep now it's that we're all going to burn to death so uh you know like who knows man but hey let's let's get into our topic today which is um uh Rick Scott, it's time for this week's topic yeah, baby. Let's get down. Oh, I, I missed my cue. <laughs> I started with yeah, baby, and realized that's not. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. Church Planner Podcast. It's not the podcast planners deserve. It's a podcast they need. <laughs> I'd love it. All right. So, how do you want to kick off the AI talk? Gosh, dang it, man. Like AI is coming for our culture. Like it is a big deal. I watched this guy on YouTube last night who was an artist. He was called like the art mentor or something like that. He was so mad. His video was like, oh, this is totally going to blow over in like two to three years. And guess where they're going to come back? The artists. Yes, that's right. They'll come back to us. They'll need us. People who understand art and art history. Heck no. That would be like the newspapers uh, saying 20 years ago, hey, when this Internet 2.0 stuff comes, they're going to come crawling back to real journalists. Nope. Chat GPT came and almost you can actually see a lot of the articles and blogs you've been reading are written by chat GPT. They've been written by AI. Um, prior to that, I remember before I knew about chat GPT, I kept thinking, how are these people so stupid? How are they getting jobs writing this kind of article? This is terrible, right? Because you do need a little bit of a human touch, but that is going to go away because AI learns. Yeah. AI will continue to develop itself. There is learning AI mechanisms, but um, people already, you can see they're getting threatened. You and I said that there would be careers in chat gpt in prompts you will start there is but you know here's an interesting thing along what you were just talking about and i think this is an important distinction for people to really understand what's going on with ai in every other uh development in society if we look back with the industrial revolution you know what happened was we saw remedial jobs getting replaced right. when we saw uh, uh technology come in and like the um being able to build cars and stuff like that. And they could automate as much of that as they could. It was like, we saw the remedial jobs going. And so right. what we're seeing with AI is literally the exact opposite, right? It's going after the creatives like yes. copywriting, which has been, you know, a main thing that I do in marketing. And I'm literally like having chat GPT, write Stuff that I'm like, this is freaking good. This would have taken me hours right. to do. Right. It would have taken me so much emotional drain to be able to pump that out. And now, you know, you and I've been playing around with mid journey, which is incredible and in how it creates <laughs> images. And I'm like, this is, it's literally going after the higher end. And, you know, I think you even sent me an article about how they're trying to use AI for psychology and, you know, helping people with depression. Yeah. And then people are like, 
hey, why don't we use AI as our doctor? It'll never be wrong. It'll have access to all the, I mean, like literally it's going after the high-end jobs. Right, right. It's going to eliminate a lot of stuff there. It's it's going to totally upend how our society works because right. it's not the little guy who's going to have to worry about his job. You could, it's literally the head guy. You can, in future, you'll be able to s- upload an image of a cut and say, to chat GPT, should I go to the doctor for this? I just got injured. No, do this instead. Like what, what people don't realize, and and here's the thing is, um, first off, I'm never wrong. That's the first thing you have to realize. Sorry, I'm a little salty today. I woke up rough today. So uh, you have to, I wasn't going to tell my big uh, step up on me tough guy story. Well, well, him being a tough guy, me just not being a tough guy, but, um, but I'm a little salty today. But here's the thing. Um, we, the church, this is why I think it's important to talk about. The church is never ahead of the curve on this stuff. The church is always reactive rather than proactive. When people started talking about digital church online, at first I was like, no, no, we're not doing that. Church is incarnational. No, we can't go that direction. That is a step in the wrong direction. Until I was talking with Chesley Lunday, and he's an active church planner. He's apostolic. Um, He's not got Jeff Reed status, although he works with Jeff Reed. Um, Jeff Reed, uh, you know, couldn't convince me. I would listen to Jeff Reed. It wasn't until I heard an apostolic and went, okay. Now I get it. It cracked open to me. Chesley was a guy that kind of brought me over the divide. And I went, okay, I see it now from an apostolic point of view. Um, the internet or the metaverse is a missional frontier. I'm not thinking about for church or for discipleship or quality of life. I'm thinking mission frontier. That's when it broke open to me. So I went, okay. So this may be the apostolic front of this next generation. And so if you go back, you know, the missional community movement was a movement of shepherds. The mega church movement was a movement of the evangelists, right? I think this is the apostolic movement that we are getting ready to watch. And apostolics will begin to go, yes, I can. That is a culture that has not yet seen the kingdom of God enter into it. Let's go there. And so for me, that's that's kind of the new thing I'm thinking. And like all movements, we look back at the dangers of the missional community movement. It became insular, like shepherds are. Um, the evangelists, uh, the, the church growth movement became consumed by numbers and pragmatism, like evangelists are. The apostolic um, frontier that we're facing, the danger, and I can feel to me as I'm getting so into it that I'm going to start thinking it's everything and leave everything behind. And that's, that's the weakness of the apostolics is they will see the mission as everything. And then what will happen 10, 20 years from now is we'll be looking back saying, gosh, we really needed the other apes to keep the apostles grounded because the other things that developed in the church that aren't helpful are dunk, 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 dunk. So again, the curative is always having the apest in balance. And so at the outset of this, my major caution to myself is, Peyton, 
bring the APEST into this with you, or you will have a distorted view, which will lead to distorted practices. But I think the apostles will lead the way into this movement. What do you think the movement's going to be when you say, like, I, I don't really understand what the metaverse is. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't I don't get it. It's it's a virtual space. And I think that where um, what I've always kind of said, and, you know, it's even a, a plantology principle is learning to, to gather and scatter on mission. Um, the church has always been in times uh, of kingdom advancement. It both gathers missionally and scatters missionally. And it does it in this rhythm, like breathing, inhaling and exhaling. And so uh, as the church does this in the metaverse, there will be third spaces or or hubs or gathering spots for conversations. Because you know me, right? Um, I, I've for years said conversations equal conversions, right? If we can get people talking. So there will be things that I think are going to happen. I believe things like The Chosen, where we've just used television and media. I think people are going to, they're going to create virtual spaces where now you're in the crowd watching Jesus get scourged, like, like on the passion you're following. I think people will start building like this entire chosen where you're following Jesus in his footsteps as a disciple. You're listening to him teach. You can be there. You can watch the miracles. All these kinds of things are, are probably going to happen. It's like how we take people to Israel on trips and talk to them about what Jesus did and read from the scripture. They're probably going to have virtual um, metaverse uh, experiences of that going forward. Um, and, and they will be preacher specific, you know, people have to interpret those passages. It will be a new form of preaching. I believe there'll be hangouts. There'll be virtual hangouts. I believe that you could do something like AI could program a CS Lewis debate CS Lewis about eugenics or about the existence of God. And there'll be an, a, you can go into a, into a room and, and talk and have a conversation with CS Lewis. Um, you could have a conversation with Jesus and AIs. And, and now this is all dangerous. Like everybody's seeing the dark side of this already. I know you're seeing it, but stop and think about all of the possibilities. Um, Tim Keller's dead. He died last week. But AI knows everything he ever said. You'll be able to talk with Tim Keller. That's like your dream, right? What would you say if you could have a conversation with the Apostle Paul? Have a conversation with him. I mean, these are things that AI is going to collect. And you would probably have settings like, I want to talk to liberal theologies, Paul. I want to talk to liberation theology, Paul. I want to talk to Calvinist reform, Paul. I want to talk to John Wesley's Arminian, Paul. I want to talk to the Lutheran, Paul. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm just looking at all this. It, I, I think we're entering into a, I don't think we're ready for what's about to hit us. Um, that applies. I, I want to talk to Anton LaVey. I want to talk to Nietzsche. I want to talk to Socrates and Plato. I want to have a conversation. You know, I want to see if I can uh, stump Socrates, right? Um, or or will he stump? I'm going to debate him about that. I think we're heading into, you mentioned medical. I think we're going to head into court cases. Court cases oh. might be tried by by AI in future. We may not have a judge. There was this uh, video that Alex Ramosi put out talking about AI and how it's going to change everything. And 
this one lawyer went to chat GPT and asked it like this, this really difficult question. I don't remember what the question was, but it was like a difficult question. And he goes, the answer it spat out in seconds was what he had finally come to the conclusion of after four years of practicing that law. And like chat GPT was just able to like literally come to that conclusion and tell you, here it is. Here's the answer that quick. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird, weird world and like how it can be used, how it can be abused. Like I was talking about last week. I mean, we use it with business and I think I even shared, um, you know, we use it with businesses to qualify their prospects and book appointments and it's chat GPT is, is what's doing it. And, you know, Scott Blair was testing it and he switches to Portuguese and it freaking switches like that perfectly yeah bible translation boom and and it will have to be monitored but the amount of time it's going to save right where it's not you know for biblical languages in particular it's going to be really hard um but i think we're going to see advances in um translation of books and resources um i believe that um uh, for those of you that are church planners that um, maybe haven't seen the implications of policies and procedures, what do you do for all of your Sunday school policies? Hey, chat GPT, write me something on how uh, to keep children safe in my Sunday school. Best practices. Thunk, there it goes. In two minutes, you've got this amazing policy. Write another one. Reshuffle it. Get more. Okay, now chat GPT, combine those last three into one, uh, eliminating overlap. Shunk, there you go. Um, uh, constitution and bylaws for church planners. Shunk, there you go. Hey, chat GPT, um, I've got this form and it's probably not advanced enough to do. I'm just learning chat GPT, but hey, I need to fill out a 501c3 application for such and such here. Let me describe my um, organization, where it is, the idea, using all this information, shunk, there's your application. You normally have to hire a lawyer to do that stuff. So I'm seeing things like legal zoom, um, applications, things like that. Uh, I just, I think we've just entered into a new world. And case in point, I've had a project that is a labor of love for me that I've worked on slowly over the years. It's a secular project. It's a research project. It actually, if it were one manuscript, it would probably be a 2000 page manuscript. I'm not even lying. Um, I just did the outlines for the four volumes and asked chat GPT to do the research on probably about 10 chapters out of 40 and just said, Hey, and and saw what it came back with. The funny thing is, um, one of them had to do with uh, video. This video game company, and it made things up. It said, uh, "Oh yeah, you know," because I, I I wrote into it, and this is this is how I started to find out like the weaknesses of it. Is I said, "Hey, write me an article about what it was like in the early days of this game studio. Um, make it whimsical, make it fun. Tell me some uh, funny anecdotes." about late night pizza uh, drives and or pizza runs or yada, yada. It made up all this stuff. And later I, I went back to it and said, hey, provide references for that article. And it said we could not find it. And one of them was like this hidden Easter egg in the game where if you hit this certain code, 
the character would put on a polka dot tutu and start dancing around and fighting enemies while dancing around. And it said, uh, this is not, uh, we could not find a source for this. This may be a fan theory or a lesser known, um, uh, lesser known fact. There's no right. We couldn't find any record of it on the internet. And I found out later that chat GPT will sometimes fill in the gaps and it will sometimes mislead you. Oh yeah, for sure. So got to be careful with the research. Um, but then I tried, I'm working on another project, which takes uh, uh, Radiohead songs. It makes devotions out of them, it combines them with scripture. I've written this whole thing myself, but I had two left to go. And I thought, hey, this week, why don't I just, you know, because my goal was before I turned 50, I'd have this thing done. So uh, you get those longtime listeners know I work on a bunch of projects that never see the light of day. They just, I just work on them. They're fun. And uh, my gosh, the, the, the devotion it made based on a Radiohead song, it was kind of incredible. Really? Oh my gosh, dude. I, I'll, I'll read you an excerpt from it. Cause one of my things I want to do today, I don't know if you got my text last time. I'm like, dude, we need to get, cause you can get, hosts on so we could actually get an ai guest on and it's a voice and we say hey tell our our audience why they ought to listen i sent you a clip of this and the guy's like hey you don't want to miss this next part of the show coming up everyone and i thought it was a real person when i started listening they finally said hey by the way this guy here on this show gaz he's actually ai he's not a real person that blew my mind so go back to this pete you know, you and I are like, hey, let's interview John Wesley. Chat GPT goes into like 20 volumes of Wesley's works, including his medical textbook, yada, yada, countless biographies written about him. We could ask him anything we want. Let's have John Wesley on our show today. I think we have a new podcast. I think so. Peyton and Pete talk to Wesley. So, uh, and it's funny because this is what they're bringing up on that show is they said, you know, we, we were asking stupid things like what's Abraham Lincoln's favorite vape flavor, <laughs> or I think it was Mozart. And it said it was dum, 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 or, you know, they, some really funny, um, maybe his banana or something like that, but it was a really funny answer. The chat GPT was being funny. And, uh, but anyways, what was I saying? Um, so this Radiohead thing, I'll just read you this. This, this was kind of funny. Um, so the first part of it, um, is me. And the second part of it, I, I put in the second half to see what they say. So you ready? This is a song called prove yourself. This is me. And then I'll tell you when it switches. This song was a very first single, the Pablo honey album. Full of the self-loathing that we've come to know and love from earlier Radiohead, they stopped playing it in concert because of the fear the kids were killing themselves in response to it. Some fans have suspected that the song is actually about suicide, while others have asserted that it is... Oh, I, oh never mind. <laughs> Maybe that's why I need ChatGPT. That needs some editing. All right, I'm not going to read the rest of that sentence because it, 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 it repeated itself. From I can't afford to breathe in this town, nowhere to sit without a gun in my hand, it seems as if the protagonist has nowhere to go and feels they're better off dead. The repeating chorus alternating between I'm better off dead and prove yourself may mean that the protagonist is torn. 
do I stay and prove myself to those who doubt me, or do I take the easy way out? There's one of two ways to take that. Prove yourself by ending it could also be a possibility. Stop talking about it. Show that you can at least accomplish something, or it's saying, prove yourself as the voice of someone in his life who doesn't feel he's measuring up. It's easy to feel that way sometimes. We have the pressure of others playing upon us, and we feel we have to prove them wrong. Uh, the protagonist continues, I want to breathe, I want to grow. I'd say I want it, but I don't know how. Now, here's here's the thing. Like, this is not my best work. I actually was, it was at the end of the day, and I was messing around to see what I could do. Then I came in, um, and then I, I hit the chat GPT. I said, okay, so that was just me spending like five, 10 minutes screwing around with it. Uh, not my best. But then ChatGPT comes in and says this. Oh, and I kick into Job. I didn't read you all of mine. I kick into Job. You know, this reminds me of Job. We wanted to die. Felt he was better off dead. It's possible to work, bleed, uh, beg and pray and still feel so worthless. We feel we'd be better off if we weren't here. Um, and then I quote, you know, surely uh, it would be better if I had never been born. And and I trailed off there thinking, okay, I go back and edit and work on it. This is ChatGPT now. I just paste it at the end here. The song's lyrics express a sense of self-doubt and the desire to prove oneself. This theme connects with the spiritual journey of overcoming insecurities and recognizing our inherent worth as made in the image of God. It reminds us that our value is not based on external validation, but on our connection to a higher power. Prove, your health, prove yourself as a song hints at the longing for inner transformation and growth. This spiritual lesson prompts us to reflect on our own journey of self-improvement and personal evolution. It invites us to delve deep within ourselves, confront our flaws, and strive for spiritual growth. It also speaks the importance of letting go of other people's expectations. The song challenges the pressure to meet expectations, encourage listeners to break free from the confines of societal norms. Spiritually, this resonates with the idea of surrendering to God and releasing the burden of trying to control or fulfill external expectations. It invites us to embrace a sense of surrender and trust and a higher plan. Lastly, it speaks to our need to connect with the divine. Prove yourself subtly alludes to longing for a connection, a search for something greater than ourselves. This spiritual... so. Uh, it, it pretty much ends uh, one or two sentences after that. But I mean, I got to say, it actually got the tone in which I am writing this because this is written to unchurched and unbelievers. So this would be more of a, like a devotional for people that are just Radiohead fans that are trying to find their way to God. Right. And and in my head, um, it's funny. Now, now, whereas before P, I used to say, oh, I'm going to write this. I'm actually, as of this past week, starting to think, I don't tell people what book I'm working on anymore. Because if I have the idea for a book, ChatGPT can write it in a couple of hours or even an hour. Someone could sit down at ChatGPT and write the book that I was going to write. Now, there are tools that, you know, like Quillbot and others that discover, hey, this is, this is AI written. And it'll it'll assess. You can put content through a feed, and it'll say this is ninety nine percent AI written, or this is ninety percent. Um, there are ways to cover your tracks and hide that. But to me, that is insane. So now I'm like, oh, now if I have an idea, I actually need to hold that close to my chest. I actually feel my edited stuff is way better than what I just wrote. It's very generic. That's one of the only things. Is like we said last week. Chat GPT can 
accumulate and collate knowledge, it does not have wisdom, right? And it definitely doesn't have the spiritual insight that I think that the soul can provide. There will still be things that spirit and soul will provide. The distillation of your personal experiences, you know, your your own uh, promptings of the spirit, those things won't come through AI. But I got to say, overall, Pete, it's pretty impressed. Yeah, it's crazy. It's genuinely crazy. But yeah, for research, I mean, like I said, I have to collate and and now look through, and now I'm beginning to wonder, what was ChatGPT hallucinating on that research I did? Where were they filling the gaps? What's accurate? What's not accurate? Yep. <clears throat> Any other thoughts, Pete? I know we're out of time. No, I would just tell uh, everyone, hey, go uh, to missionbybusiness.com and check out how we're using AI to help business owners. If you're looking for a, a side gig or a, a main gig while you're planting your church or being bivocational, check it out, missionbybusiness.com. All right. And if you guys enjoyed this podcast and you enjoy any of the tools or courses that New Breed provides, thanks to our generous donors, and you think you want to pay it forward, head on over to newbreedtraining.com and partner with us to continue to get these tools, resources, and courses into the hands of indigenous missionaries all over the world. Want to thank you guys for listening today. And Pete, sign us out. If you want to reach the ones that nobody's reaching, you got to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. That's the ticket. <laughs>